Have you ever gotten really fed up with yourself? I'm sure that you can understand. I had the fed up effect. That's what I call it. When you just had enough of the nonsense. That's what we're talking about in this episode. Welcome to Metaphysics of Photography Podcast, where we discuss elevated personal branding for mystical misfits and rock stars, as in crystals. I am Adanis, also known as Ultra, your host. Let's get started. Let's talk about being fed up. I am fed up, primarily with myself. But you know what? It's very, very hard sometimes for you to have an incredible amount of awareness around what it is that you're doing wrong and why you keep getting the same results. I know that this is true because not only I find myself um, having the same experiences, right? Insanity, thinking that I'm, you know, going to get a different result. And obviously, I'm doing something which is still creating a certain type of frequency and invitation in my life. So let me tell you what I am really talking about. I'm talking about being fed up with lies, negativity, and lack of integrity. I could share a number of stories where I had friendships that people that were, they went from friends and came into my coaching container and then started to replicate, you know, all the things that I was doing. And I get it. I get it. I totally get it. If you hire a coach and you're getting results and you're a coach as well, then your assumption is that whatever it is they're showing you is what you need to teach your clients. That's not true because you get a coach for your issues and a a client should be hiring you for their issues if you and your clients have the same issues you guys are not peers like you know like you, you guys are not able to coach each other we can only coach people when we have um had a certain amount of understanding and success in it and also based on our values so can someone that makes $100,000 a year coach someone that makes a million dollars a year on money? Well, absolutely, because the coach or the person who has 100000 that could very well be all they want, all they need, all they could manage, all they desire. And so, so it's not a number per number, but you certainly have to be in a position to personally have completely like morphed into the person that is able to deliver the results that you claim right so i find myself annoyed annoyed that every single time every year even though i've had spiritual counselors and coaches and mentors and regular business mentors in books and even though i've had all these resources around me no one can still pinpoint why I attract these people. And I'm going to tell you the type of people that I attract. They are needy. They are complaining. They are using people. And they are completely unaware of these things. And worst of all, they're trying to coach other people on how to not be those things. <sighs> I'm having difficulty with this one because I don't want to be offensive, but... In order for me to really be able to dig into this, I'm going to have to be completely transparent. Give me a moment as I consult with my my team. 
Okay, I talked to my team. Um, so my team, what does that mean? Just like when I communicate with, uh, with God or my guides, sometimes um, I get direct, like I feel it's like source God. Other times it comes in the voice of other mentors and teachers um, that have died and passed on. <laughs> sometimes it comes in a variety of ways. I think it always comes in whatever way you can handle it the best. So um, I kind of got the, you know, permission to to just be as transparent as possible. So what I'm really fed up about is that even though I've had friendships and coaches and mentors and courses and books and all this support, I haven't been able to pinpoint this one pattern. Now, I know that there is codependency when you grow up in an abusive relationship um, when you're little, you know, whether that abuse was like severe abuse or neglect is irrelevant. I started to analyze. I was like, why is it that like 100% of my clients have been sexually abused as a child? Now, I wasn't sexually abused as a child. I, I think I, you know, told a story where I, I could have been, but there was something in me that was like, no. And it's interesting to me that as a child, you know, we feel so powerless um, and we even re-victimize the victims, right? We might say to a child, you, you were three years old, you were four years old, you were five years old, you didn't know. And that's true and it's valid. But I was a five-year-old and I said no. And for me, it was, it kind of grabbed my attention. Why was I the child? I'm sure I'm not the only one. Why was I the child that said no? Why was there a man in my life that saw an opportunity to say something, especially from a vulnerable, small child, and I still said no. I still had power. That blows my mind. That blows my mind that there's so many um, little children walking around in these very uncomfortable situations um, and in these abusive environments. And they don't have a choice. They don't feel like they have a choice. But I was that five-year-old that said no. And it's interesting because at the time, it's not like I'm a five-year-old. I'm like, I have the choice. Uh, no, I just was like, uh-uh, get the fuck out of here. No. <laughs> I was like, no. I don't, I don't, I don't like you. You sums up with you. I told my mom, and years later, as I revisit that story, I was like, mom, do you think I got molested? And she was like, oh my God, like what, what, tell me. My mom does not, she just really wanted to protect us from, from sexual abuse when we were little. Sometimes she left us alone. She was like, I'd rather you leave you um, six years old alone um, for half an hour before I get home from work. And um, she had like a neighbor watch over us, but she was like, all you have to see them is go into that house and never let them get out of the house. And so when you come into the house, and then we would stay there till mom got there and the neighbor would keep an eye on us. But literally it was just me and my brother in the house. You know, that's the memory. Is it accurate? I don't know. How do we know that what we remember is accurate? How do, how do we know that what we remember is really how, how it happened when you were small? You, you tend to misinterpret the world, especially if you're in an abusive situation you, you are going to misinterpret the world because your filter now has been has been changed now you're filtering life through these experiences and so 
do I know that there's codependent issues there that I had to work through and maybe still have to work through? Yes, I see it. I understand it. I mean, I've gotten so confused by the situation that I even asked, you know, chat GPT because I had Googled it. I'm like, why do I attract people like this? I don't understand. I'm not like this. And one of the things I really want to talk about is maybe I am like this and that's the problem that I don't see that I am like this. And maybe that's the problem for you as well. So hopefully this conversation is really going to open your eyes. And here's what I can promise you if you do this work. If you do this work, you will get money. If you do this work, you get the fame. If you do this work, you get the love. You get everything you desire if you do this work. If you don't do this work, you will continue to attract people and blame other people and not really understand what the heck is going on. <laughs> um, so let me dig into some of the friendships and some of the patterns that I notice. I notice, and this is a, as an adult, my life has stabilized. I moved around a lot, but I don't move around um, a lot anymore. I barely even go out of the house, which is the complete opposite of somebody that uh, grew up having to move around a lot, right? It's interesting that sometimes um, we go in the complete opposite direction of, of the ways we were raised in some areas. So as I am in my 30s at the time, maybe late 30s, it's not like I was a baby or young by any means necessary, you know, I would attract these friendships. They all wanted to have access to me, access to my knowledge, my coaching, and everything. They never wanted to pay. And the reason they never wanted to pay was because we were friends. So there was this like, and for me, I was like cool with that too. I was like, yeah, we're friends. Like, I'll tell you everything I know. We're friends. But it was very interesting when one time I had been friends with this person for a long time. I even, um, I met her online and she was like a big fan and she was like, you're like amazing. I have to know you. We developed our relationship and she even came and stayed at my house. Now it wasn't, it was weird and it wasn't super weird. She sort of invited herself. She's like, I'm coming to LA. Like, can I stay with you? And at first I was like, yeah, of course. But then I was like, I've never met you before, <laughs> even though we've talked a million times. So that did come across my mind. And of course, I have a family and a husband and all these people. And, you know, I can't just bring strangers from the Internet into my house. But I've done it. I've done it a couple times. <laughs> she would be the second one. But what I would really, really, really not only hurt me, but annoyed me was that for years, I gave her access to all my things. And she was like, you know, after we, we developed a friendship, she took some of my courses. She was like, I feel like I could be your assistant or I could, your apprentice. And it was a really beautiful relationship because I think the mentorship relationship, the moment it becomes transactional, it changes. And I really like um, the idea of having a mentor that is not wanting my money per se. I wanted a mentor. I like the idea of a mentor who looks, who sees something in me and wants to develop it, right? It's like when you see um, a talented person and then they have someone who, who develops that talent. So for example, I'm thinking of a guy who, a documentary I was watching who was very, very autistic, but there was a piano teacher and he was playing the piano and this autistic kid comes out of the nowhere and starts playing music. And he was like engulfed in it that teacher who was not autistic recognized that he was a savant he was a genius and he became his teacher for 20 30 like forever 
he will be his teacher until that man dies. And he, one of the things, my favorite thing is that when you see someone with talent and you're a teacher, you want to help them. You want to develop that talent. Teachers love to teach. Mentors love to take care of their mentees and, and see them shine. It, it, it gives us a great, great thrill. And what was really important for me was that because it wasn't a transactional relationship that I could really pour myself into her and she would take the things again because it was no transactional type of relationship that it would just be more it would be more pure and it did feel like that for a while but it's interesting throughout the the years that we spent together my friend said um, she was in one of my programs and I had started to like really wanted to get um, on top of attracting more money and more wealth. And so I had a program, a coaching program, like a group coaching program. And I told everybody in the program that I wanted to do a one on one call with them and really find out what else we could do together beyond the mastermind type of group coaching. But I was like, but I also need you guys to step it up financially now the courses that that a lot of these girls were coming into where you know they were from developing countries they're all over the world and so they're all like low entry maybe um easy access um for someone who lives in let's say an impoverished part in asia somewhere um a 15 dollars course 20 dollars course a 50 dollars course maybe a lot more money for them than for me. I get that. I understand that. But I was like, look, we've been working together for a while and I really want you guys to start making some money because you can if you guys make money and you want to keep working with me, then you can pay me. It really it doesn't serve you or me if you don't make money, but you want to continue to work with me, but you can't because you can't pay for my services, right? So this is a like win-win for everybody. But I remember that everything that I learned, everything on a friendship level, everything, everything, coaching, everything I gave to this girl. Open the doors. Um, all the courses I had ever bought, like maybe probably over $30,000, $50,000 worth of coaching throughout the years. I was like, hey, you have access to all that. You're my apprentice. So you're going to need to know what I know. So when we work together, then la, 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 this and that. And it was very cool and it was very exciting. So let's just fast forward. Did this person change your life? Did this person get results? I think so. Um, some of the things that they did as a result of our quote unquote mentorship, friendship, was that they wrote a book. At the very least, they started writing a book. It was a dream of them to do it. Um, they shifted in their career to integrated medicine, which was more aligned with you know what they wanted to do and spirituality. Um, their, their friendships got better. They started to get more income. But here's the thing. When it came to the income, I was like, wait, let's talk about that. So I'm sitting there talking to my friend at the end of a coaching call, also my mentee and um, someone who was in, in the mastermind. So she's, she had a lot of different titles and that is all well and good. Except that when we're digging into her finances and I was under the impression that she was not having a lot, a lot of money. She's like, well, you know, I'm still in college, so my parents agreed to, to help me and pay for me. And for the most part, my boyfriend supports me and, you know, da-da-da. Cool, not a problem. Like, none of that is a problem to me. 
Now I'm going to get to the problem. The problem was that when we are doing our coaching session and I said, okay, so in order for us to really understand financially where you want to go, bring me to like where you are, like what in this year, where was like the, your biggest month? This person also became a tattoo artist. She did a lot of things. Now I could sit here then and say it was because of me and sound really arrogant. Um, but I absolutely have to assert that it was partly because of my influence, right? This is not something I made up. These are her own words. So, but I was heartbroken. She broke my heart because I had given her things for free. I had um, made exceptions for her. I had given her access to my home, to my daughter. She developed a friendship with my daughter, to everything in me. I really opened myself up to a genuine friendship. But when we are starting, when we're talking about the money, I was like, okay, well, what is the most amount of money you've made? And she tells me, she was like, um, I think I made this. And she's telling me about like money that was so much more than I was making. And I was a little bit confused for two reasons. Number one, yay, how come she's making all this money and she hasn't told me? She's not celebrating it. I'm her mentor. She's not telling me about it. This is weird. It is weird that someone who was kissing my ass at such a severe level was also hiding how much money she was making from the person who was helping her with all the resources to have that abundance. Hmm. So I start to like feel a bit confused and also betrayed because as I am very transparent and very open and I share everything, I just imagine that that's the same thing people are doing for me. So as she tells me how much money, she's like, oh my God, I made so much money that I did this and I did this and I, and I got this and I got this opportunity and oh my God and oh my God and oh my God. And I just started, like, I start to feel really confused. I was like, how come you've never told me about the money? And she was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I just got busy. And I was like, what? Like, we basically talk about everything. How come we could talk about everything? God, aliens, orgasms, boyfriends, you know, relationships. There's nothing under the sun that we don't talk about. But you chose to consciously not tell me that you're financially abundant. Now, this is not her parents paying for things, not her boyfriend. This is her directly. And so we're having this conversation and I say, well... Here's the thing, knowing what I know now, if you want to continue to work with me, you have to pay. You have to pay because what you, what I discovered is that you just literally took advantage of our friendship. You took advantage of our friendship. And this, I always say this to people, if you're all about coupons and all about cheap stuff, why in the world are you asking God for money? I don't, it doesn't make sense that you want money on one end and then you're just like, 50% off coupon. It's, there's nothing wrong with 50% off coupons. What's wrong is that there's a conflict of understanding there in the energetics. If you don't want to pay for things, you, are, you have resistance to paying for things. You're also going to have resistance or, or, or you're going to get clients that have that same resistance. Like, why can't people get that? Why can't people get that? Again, maybe because from the outside looking in, it's so much easier. And, and still, I can't necessarily always pinpoint my own issues. Although, 
by the grace of God, um, I do a little bit of digging and a little bit of meditating and I do get into the core of what I need to. I've never been able to get any massive results with any coaches. I actually loathe having somebody else in my mind. I hate having to think about what to do and then somebody goes, well, you should do this and this and this and that. And it's like, not unique, not not creative. It's the same shit somebody else said, the same shit they heard from their coaches. And I just get really, really, really annoyed and resistant and like disgusted and I want to run away. I've had a, quite a few friendships that made me feel that way. That I gave, gave, gave. And when it was time to be on the receiving end, um, I did not receive. And partly is because, yes, I get it. My blocking my receiving is blocked. <sighs> and I'm not trying to blame people, but it is kind of interesting to me that you could be very generous and, you know, be in a friendship with someone that's not generous. I thought that the people that were coming to me were just as generous as I was, but that's not really how certain things work, right? When we're talking about the victim mindset, there's two aspects to the victim mindset. You have the victim who feels incapable and it's like it's everybody's fault but mine and then there's the bully which is the the same victim who's got like annoyed with being abused and used and then they become you know someone who takes charge but they don't know how to do it in a healthy way so they kind of have this bully you know perspective they have this 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 like well I'm gonna do whatever it takes like I don't care you know um, it doesn't come from a place of love. What I always found that was really interesting is that superiority, which is a reason why it's a big problem with like white supremacy, is that it always comes from inferiority. So if you recognize anybody in your world that you know perceives themselves as superior or you kind of like see that they think they're better than everybody, they're actually in their victim energy. I know that I've been guilty of this myself. So when I found out my friend was not only just making a lot more money than me, um, a, a part of me was just like, wait, am I jealous that she's making money and I'm not? Like, what's the, what's, what's the problem here? And it wasn't that at all. It was that how can we have a friendship for years and years? How did you, I let you stay in my house? How is this happening? And you've never talked to me about how much money you are actually making, how you can actually afford to pay for my programs. I, I just felt so dismissed. I was like, oh, here it is, another person that just wants to use me. Growing up um, as a teenager, when I started to date, I started to also get the same feeling, the same impression that men didn't necessarily want to be in a relationship with me but they wanted to have sex with me so I had that again show up in like okay they want to take something from me and not give right a relationship feels like they're giving back to me um just having a white night stand or just wanting me for sex every now and then was feeling like I was getting nothing <laughs> I was getting nothing out of the deal um and now looking back I can look at most of my coaching experiences and probably say that I got nothing out of the deal. Not that I got absolutely nothing, nothing. No, it's that some of the things that I got are so ordinary and regular. I could have gotten it from a book, from a $5 book, you know. 
that again I felt like damn I paid five thousand dollars for this program and made a hundred dollars yay like what but um I started to rec- to recognize this pattern but I still couldn't figure out how to get get over it um I saw it in my friendships I saw it in my personal relationships I saw it in coaching with people that I coach maybe the whole entire coaching industry is not like this but in my my resonance and I just saw how insidious it was and the thing about energy is that especially with the saboteur is that it will blind you like you will not actually be able to know you be you know you can get in your head about it you're like but I've done all the work but I've done this and then the victim comes in I know it's their fault their their courses are horrible and I got to this point um especially after that conversation where I was like I'm done I had a conversation with another client that was paying me but she was indeed paying me um very low ticket because I was um considering that she didn't have a lot of money and not because she didn't have a lot of money or any of that I didn't know her story until she got into the program right it was because I ran a mystery offer and she got it on the deal so when you get it on the deal it was just a lot a lot a lot less than I would be charging someone who bought the offer beside you know before it was a mystery but another person that I was really really happy to support I get on a one-on-one call with this person and we have been going back and forth about some amazing um, opportunities that had came her way. And I was like, okay, well, now that you have this incredible income um, and is these amazing things are happening to you, um, how do you feel about working together further, but, you know, on a one-on-one type container, which is a little bit higher. And for both of these ladies, I had created um, a... a contract that was based on you can you only pay me after you make the money, right? So it was commission type of thing. Now, for one of them, I was like, well, it's going to have to be 50% or $5,000, right? $5,000 was my monthly fee. 50% was like 50% of whatever you make. And for me, to me, that was so loving and kind because that meant that if you made $5,000 and that's all you made, then... I get $2,000, which is half of my fee, but you made money. And if you coach with me for 30 days, the goal is that you're not going to necessarily need to continue to coach with me unless you want to. And by that time, you're, you're stabilizing your income, so it should be a non-issue. So I get with um, another one and I said, hey, I'm willing to give you um, commission because I get it. I understand. You know, I am a woman of color and I was never taught that to prioritize um, this type of education. And, and you know, I was taught to go to school, get a degree, but to, to work on your personal self and your spirituality, that wasn't something that was instilled in me. And I really had to develop that on my own. I get it. And it's not so easy to ask a mom, a single mom and um, someone in a developing country to just cough up thousands of dollars but as one of them um, was getting this these great opportunities um, I was like oh so you're gonna have income awesome so here's what we can do you can pay me on commission which means you're not gonna be broke I'm not gonna take all your money but what you do is you know a percentage and we were kind of negotiating it's like what percentage can you live with you know what I mean and uh, a side note on another one of the girls um, 
I was really proud of her. It's interesting because I was really proud of the work she had done and the coaching she was doing and everything. Um, and then I also realized that she was just basically teaching people all the things that I was. And she was taking things and lessons that were for her and giving it to the people. Um, and so I always think it's interesting because if you are taking something you learned before you really completely understood it, you know, at the cellular level and really, really understand it and, and practice it, you know, it's, it's really, it's really going to be hard to share it with others. Not because it's not true and not, and not effective. It's because since you're not completely convinced of it, cause you haven't really experienced it. It's like manifestation practices. Someone who did a practice and manifested $500 is going to have a lot more faith than someone who did a practice and didn't manifest anything, right? So I always like to let people have proof. And then from that proof, you have that jumping off point. You're like, okay, now that you know it works, let's, let's do the deep level work. And so I saw also that she was running groups the way that I did. She was giving similar advice and um, she was getting hired by... By people that um, really needed her help and support, but she was create she was doing something that I had not done. Right um, in my code of ethics with life coaching, you cannot pass yourself as a therapist. You cannot, you know, say that you're like a therapy or whatever. So she started to to kind of make some allegations that I was like, okay, these are in in the world of um, the law in America, even though she wasn't American. Like you're you're in like really crazy deep water and with mental health issues right um I I'm I come from the background of like do no harm and I immediately thought where something like that could be really harmful because maybe somebody needs therapy and they were like well it's like therapy and then they're just you know going off and talking to a 25 year old who may not be able to help them in a deeper more psychological level where they need some professional help you know so for me as an older woman I was like wow that's not good but by that point I had already decided that that our time together had come to an end I was like look I give you all of me and clearly now I see that you were only giving me a little part of you and okay Let's let's move on because I I want to I want a relationship that's more reciprocal. I want someone who's not just taking my stuff and trying to get things from me. Like I love that all the help that we um, we provided for each other, all the advice that I gave her. I love that she used it and changed her life with it. I did not like the idea that she had she hid that she had an income um, for whatever reason. I don't know for what reason she would hide that. Um, Anyways, the other girl, I tell her like, okay, let's do commission. I've always wanted to do a commission model. Um, I trust you. I know you. You've been in my other programs. And I showed her and she was like, wow, that's really cool, right? Give her some time to think about it. And she was so scared. She was like, I can't because if I don't make the money, then, then this and that and the other and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, wow, this girl wouldn't even take a commission model. Commission model makes like if you don't make money, Nobody gets paid. I don't get paid. She don't get paid. She wouldn't even take the opportunity to work at a higher level, a higher container, which she wanted, which she needed, because the money scarcity was so strong. And I was like, 
hmm. And she was one of those people that told me, she's like, I found you when I had nothing. And I, you know, became like, you know, a, a you know, customer for life. I never left because you're like the real deal. She gave me so many compliments. And I understand that one of the things that happens with my inner child is that when somebody gives me a lot of compliments, it totally uh, breaks down any defenses. And my child who needs compliments and love um, is just thirsty. And it's like, oh, we're friends now. And so I completely change the dynamic from um, a person of authority to like, let's be friends because my inner child is really, 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 really thirsty for a friend. Okay. So I tell you these two examples because it has been like that for a while. In Since I started in the coaching industry, I don't know that. I did have that pattern in, in other areas before coaching and I was with men, but I don't have that pattern anymore. I have a stable relationship with a wonderful guy. And so, and, and I, he, and he never gave me the impression, not once that he was just using me for, for sex or not once. So I felt pretty comfortable. That's the saboteur. Oh, you don't have this problem anymore. Let's just move it over here where you can't see it anymore. So I thought I had overcome that codependency, um, in romantic relationships, but I didn't know that it would just jump over to another area of my life. (laughs) Anyways. I started to track back and look back and I was like, damn, I feel a lot of people in my life have been this way. They take something and I didn't get anything or any value out of it. So I made a decision that that I was going to separate the two. I was like, I'm going to have two, have friends that are friends. I'm never going to sell them shit. I'm never going to talk about selling them anything. If I feel like the work that I do will help them, I just give it to them because that's what I would do for a friend. And, and then I'm going to have to have, you know, clients and they cannot be my friends, right? They cannot be my friends until I know them intimately because I don't want to continue to confuse myself. And someone who is hiring me to be mentored, to be helped in branding, in metaphysics, they still need to see me as an authority. So when I was jumping the gun and being the friend and like, I got you, girl, I got you, I got you the authority started to dwindle. And when the authority just kinds to, to change, then the power that you have over each other changes. And the, the, the real, like the real things can come up, right? Because in a coaching relationship, there's respect, right? You don't call me at a certain time, um, blah, 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 this and that. But in a friend, it could be like 11 o'clock at night. And you're like, girl, I'm drunk. I broke up with Joe. I'm sorry, I call me, right? Like friends do that for each other. And so I found myself that when I had clients who started to do friendly things, I was really annoyed by it because I'm just like, I'm a stranger. I'm a support help. It's like going to the doctor and getting a physical and the doctor's like, wow, you're in great shape. And then I call the doctor like, hey, what's up? Thank you so much. You made me feel so good. And the doctor's like, yeah, it's my job. Like, why are you calling me at home? Like, are you, is this an emergency? You need to call 911. They're like, no, I just thought you were really awesome. I thought we could be friends. <laughs> it sounds so silly, but that's essentially what we all do. Okay, let me take that back. That's essentially what I was doing with in my coaching. Um, and that's why I closed down the coaching aspect and I just um, remained the consul- consultant or just the person that tells you what the fuck to do. And uh, I started to identify a pattern and I saw it with my clients. And then as I was digging into it, I was like, wait a minute. I saw it with my friends too. 
So I, um, I learned of a friend or a person that was here in LA and we were in the same group and we're like, oh my God, we should hang out. And so we started to hang out and she was a lot of fun and we developed a really close friendship really quickly. She was an artist and I was an artist. She was a single mom and I wasn't a single mom, but, um, I wasn't married, but I was a mom and I understand that single mom life. I've been divorced. She had been divorced. We were over 40, both of us. So it was just beautiful that like I wasn't hanging out with a 25 year old who had no idea what divorce was like or raising a family or struggling with any type of abuse or anything right it was just really refreshing to have her but I noticed that within a few months uh, maybe within a few weeks um the relationship changed from something that was really fun and we were like you know smoking and laughing and talking about all kinds of funny obscene and spiritual things and I started to notice that it just got really really whiny oftentimes she was always in um, a money panic. She was a coach and she was like, oh my God, like I need to pay rent. I need to do this and I need to do that. And she would get really like this really crazy desperate energy. And I would totally would want to console her like, oh my God, you got this. The mistake that I made was like, I tried to coach her. And so I remember one time and I was like, have you tried like this type of hypnosis? And she was like, I've tried everything. It doesn't work. The weird thing to me was that, damn, you were a coach and can't be coach. I know I'm your friend, but it was interesting that she just dismissed it without saying, you know, I did hypnosis a while ago. It didn't work, so I haven't done it again. Do you have a little secret something? Because I would have been like, yes, I do. But instead, she was like, nope, then it doesn't work. Who cares? And then at some point, all our conversations seemed to be focused on just money. And then at some point, all our conversations would seem to be focused on all the like messed up things that she was experiencing, you know, and I just was always tired of consoling her. And let me take you back to high school. In high school, I had a friend named Carla. She became my best friend. We became best friends really quickly because we were the two only Hispanic girls in school. Went to a school that was pretty segregated in Florida. It was like, you were either black or white. And if you were Indian, there was like one Indian guy, two Colombian girls, and they were identical twins. Um, I feel like the big, fat, white, redhead, freckled guy was one of us because he was just like a redhead. There's like this group of minorities. And so when she came into the school and she was new, I had been there already like maybe the year before. And she was, she came from military parents. So she, like me, knew about moving around a lot. And she was Hispanic. So I was like, oh my God. So we became really fast friends. And the way that I even became aware of her, because people are just like, have you seen that girl that looks just like you? Right? Racist. Bunch of like white and black people who had not been around any other diversity outside of just black or white. This is Lake City, Florida in 1994. We're talking about some time ago. It sounds like I'm talking about prehistoric times. 1994, before we had cell phones. Um, so it was um, maybe 95, whatever. It was, a, it was a while ago. And we developed a fast friendship. And I understood her and she understood me. Because when you come from moving around a lot, which happens in the military... Um, you, you do learn to develop fast friendships because you're, you're, you're moving pretty consistently. So you learn to kind of roll with it. And it's not even a bad thing, right? Um, 
but we became really close. Now, she's the only person because her parents were military. Now, they were Catholic, so my mom wouldn't be like thrilled about that. But um, she liked that they had a religion because <laughs> we were Pentecostal and very strict. And the fact that they were military and they were um, really decent people. You know, they had a farm, they had horses, they had a beautiful home. And they took care of their families and, you know, so... That literally is the only person that I could go to her house. I didn't spend the night at someone's house until I was 17 years old. Prior to that, I could not ever even... The the first party I ever been to, I think I was about 16 or 17 years old, is the first time and the only time that I smoked weed because I had never been to a party before. Ever. And it was like really low-key. I was... I think I was a senior, so I was 17, and the girl was like a junior so she was a little bit younger um Carla was a little bit younger too um I do develop friendships with young women and it's because I have a baby sister and remember everything about our life is being replicated right everything about our childhood is being replicated oh crap I just I just heard something hold on I had to write that I got so I got to download Ooh, I got to dig into that that's so good all right well Carla let's talk about Carla Carla was the only person I could spend the night with. And because I couldn't party, I couldn't drink, I couldn't smoke, I couldn't do anything. My, my parents would, you know, smell me and ensure that I wasn't doing the wrong thing. I remember that one time Carla was like, hey, you should spend the night. And I was like, girl, nobody's going to let me spend the night. But I asked my mom, and the deal was that Carla's parents were going to be out of town. And I even think that Carla's mother's like, can Adana stay? Because that way Carla won't be here all alone. Carla has to stay behind. She has to take care of the horses. She has to take care of the animals. They like animals and everything. And it was when, and she had nothing at that point. Like her furniture was still coming in. So I remember one time we were like laying by the fireplace and like just the floor. I remember singing the cranberries. I have some good memories. But here's also the not so good memories that I have. Now, I never thought I had high self-esteem, um, and, and I never thought I had low self-esteem either. I don't know what kind of self-esteem I had. I think people think I have high self-esteem, and maybe I do. Maybe I just don't understand the meaning, so let me, let's look it up. Okay, so self-esteem, according to Google, it says self-esteem is how we value and perceive ourselves. It's based on our opinion and beliefs about ourselves, which can feel difficult to change. Hmm, okay. So, the value and perception of ourselves. Yeah, I guess I have high self-esteem, according to that one sentence. <laughs> Let me see if there's another thing there. Okay, self-esteem, self-evaluation, self-acceptance, relating to the self. Okay, whatever. Now, I did grow up with in an abusive environment and a religious cult, um, which is called Christianity, by the way. <laughs> um, so... I do have, obviously, some some challenges in my childhood and the upbringing um, that could show up as codependency for sure. But I've never felt like I thought I was like the crappiest person in the world. I never felt that I was a gorgeous person, but not the ugliest. I just felt like, hey, I'm right there in the middle. I'm, I'm cruising. <laughs> and interestingly enough, um, my friend Carla... Her self-esteem was different. She was constantly focused on her appearance. And now, Carla was Hispanic. She was half Cuban, but she was also half Filipino. And Asian people, they have a whole set of um, ideas and 
um, concept of success for themselves. It could be quite materialistic. Now, I don't know all Asians, but these I'm talking about the Asians that I've met. Carla's mom, being Filipino, was very materialistic. Walking into their home was like walking into a museum. And everything was like, this is so expensive. Look how expensive this is. Look, we bought this. And it was just like, wow, I've never seen things so like a castle. Like It was like walking into uh, something extraordinary. My mom was always quite modern. And even though our homes were always really beautiful, they were more like modern magazines, not like you know, like Carla's bed was like a huge bed with like pillars and like a set. And my bed was, I don't even remember, but like maybe a futon and it was more like Asian. It was like chill. <laughs> it could be, it could have been because um, that was cheaper, but I don't think so. My mom is not the person that just buy things for her house because they're cheap. She will buy them cheaply, but they're always good quality. So for example, antiques, she'll go to a Goodwill and she'll spend $100, $200 on a table that is probably worth $5,000, right? So she does buy quality, even though she'll never want to. I don't ever see her spending $5,000 on a table ever. But my friend Carla, we had a lot of fun together, but at some point our friendship started to shift. And she would say things like, I feel fat. And I would just say, no, you're not fat. Oh my God, like, are you crazy? Now, I want to tell you how much I weigh now. So I weigh about 107 pounds, maybe 106. Um, so I'm a thin woman and I've always been thin. That's, you know, my magical superpower. And so I was probably weighing about 100 pounds in high school. And she was probably weighing about 105. She had me beat by five pounds, but you couldn't even, like, how could you even tell? Like we were like the same height, had the same frame and five pounds, completely unnoticeable. But nonetheless, I just remember at some point she was just constantly complaining about her looks. Oh, I feel fat. Oh, I feel this. Oh, I look like this. Oh. And I was always consoling her. No, you look amazing. You look great. No, you look great. You look amazing. Um, Carla would be the one who looked really well put together really polished her hair her boots she looked cool and I could easily walk out of the house looking like a half a mess I wouldn't say like a whole mess because my mom would not let me leave the house looking like I have like a like a whole mess I remember one time we were I was gonna hang out with Carla and I didn't put any makeup on I didn't want to and she was like you know I put makeup on I was like no and she's like you look like Carla's slave my mom called me a slave now I can't imagine that I really understood what that did and what that meant. But obviously, all these years, I remember it when I don't remember a lot of my childhood is because it did create an impact. And um, I think I confronted my mom about that. And she was like, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> well, of course, you don't remember saying that. If you did, you could easily say that you don't. Nonetheless, what I noticed is the same pattern. Again, here it is, because I'm looking back, I'm like, my friends are doing this. I get this friendship, and then they're just whining and complaining, and I can't handle it. But I thought that they were confident. I thought they had high self-esteem. I thought that they were cool, and then they're not. They're complaining about their lives all the time. Nothing's working out. So my friend Belle that was here was like that. She even told me one time, and I can't even believe as a coach and as a friend that she said this to me. She was like, well, I don't have someone licking my ass and paying my bills. She was talking about my man, my husband, the, the man that I love, as if 
and also removing credit from the fact that I had created such a beautiful, sustainable life for myself. And I just felt like I can't have a friendship with you. I can't have a friendship with someone who I feel is not gen- like happy for me. And with the constant complaining, it became where I also got into like trying to help her and try to solve her problems. And I was like, have you tried hypnosis? That doesn't work. Have you tried this? That doesn't work. And I'm just like, huh, well, some of these things are really working for me, you know? And so I, I ended that relationship. Um, I'm a, I'm a bad breaker upper. I wouldn't even say I'm a bad breaker upper. It's just that by the time I decide to move from the relationship, I'm so fucking bitter that like I do it in like a very abrupt and like crazy way versus saying like, hey, I've noticed that you don't share, you know, if I wanted to preserve the friendships, it's like I noticed that you didn't share your financial abundance, but you shared everything else with me um, as far as your success. Why? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me that you had money? then I would have been, but I just felt like I can't even be friends with this person because integrity is so important to me that how can I have a relationship with a person who hides? That's not a friendship. I don't know what it is, but it's not a friendship. It's a relationship, but it's not a friendship. Carla did the same thing, except that at 17 years old, 16 years old, like who knows what the heck is happening. I just remember that she was just constantly fucking complaining and it just made me sick to the stomach that every single time I was around her she was like oh, I look fat I look ugly my hair just like it was just like habitual and I would always help her I would be like no you look amazing and I didn't know that what was what we were doing was this little fucking dance where she needed to feel good and so she would do all this I'm ugly and then I'll come in and just be like no you're amazing and I'll be her cheerleader and then I was exhausted and she felt amazing and so one day I was like, fuck this shit. I'm not going to keep, she's my best friend, but I can't, like, I don't want to hurt her feelings and just tell her to like, stop complaining all the time. Because when you're 17 and you're friends, hopefully you're not like that <laughs> to your friends. You're just, you're more sensible. You're just like, yeah, girl, I know shit is, you know, I know shit is rough. Like, all right, like, okay, you know, but I really was like so fucking done. And honestly, in the way that Carla has, had been raised compared to mine, she was so much more privileged and has so much more than I ever did. I found it also really interesting that she had so much more freedom, more privilege, and she had more to hide. So, for example, she smoked cigarettes and hid it from her mom. And she would blame me. You know, if her mom would say, oh, um, I smoke cigarettes, I'd be like, oh, Jana smokes. And I did not give a shit. I was like, I don't care. I don't actually smoke, <laughs> so you can keep lying to your mom. I don't give a shit. But see, the moment that I see you as a person that lies, as even as a child, even as a teenager, I'm just like, I don't know if I can be friends with you because I know we all, t- you know, lie and hide things from my parents. But you're gonna blame me, your best friend. Now I look like shit to your mom. You get to look like this amazing person that, like, you know, it's a Janice. I, I'm, I'm trying to get her to quit fucking idiot and so one day instead of buying into and playing into her little games of self-deprecation I joined her she was like I feel fat I was like me too but I didn't mean it I didn't mean it I was just like I just don't know what else to do and you know what happened it really did it really did stop after I did this 
a couple of times because I was no longer giving her, you know, this, these um, compliments and this food that she really required that she wasn't getting at home, clearly. And I was like, how many times can you tell a person that they look amazing, you know, and when somebody comes up to you every single day, I mean, we went to high school together. We were together every single day. We spent weekends together. We were best friends every single day, 365 days. Maybe we weren't together that many days, but I'm just really, really complaining. Um, It takes a toll on you because we're not meant to be people who are constantly complaining. We're meant to be thriving and we're meant to be talking about things that make us feel alive and energized. So I just joined her. I was like, yeah, girl, me too. And she was like, oh. And then one other day, she was like, oh, I feel that. I was like, yeah, me too. Oh. Now, that could have been one of the reasons why our friendship paused. But also, I was in high school, I graduated, and I moved away from Florida. So I always thought that the reason our friendship, you know, was like on hold, per se, was because I moved to New York. Until in my adult life, I came back and had a friendship with her and it was the same thing, but even worse. Her self-esteem and her um, dependency on others had gotten so much worse. She actually was the reason why I came to Los Angeles. She said, I think I have a job for you. Um, After I told her, hey, I'm looking for a job. I'm willing to go anywhere. California will be cool. Just let me know. I wasn't, no pressure. I had already spoken to people in Miami and in other places, my, my family that was in Europe. I was like, I'm looking to get a fuck out of here. If something comes up, let me know. And she goes, I think I have a, a position for you. I'll let you know. And she did. She did a job position for me. It was temporary. It wasn't permanent. So it wasn't something that, you know, would last forever. But I did stay with Carla for um, just a couple weeks, not that much. And I can tell you that really quickly, a, a friendship that I thought was so was going to be so cool, so amazing to rekindle um, in, in my adult life after having it in, in high school, it really was the same, where she was still blaming everybody for everything. And so as I got hired into her company, mind you, I was only temporary, so it wasn't like I was a permanent employee, you know, she would do things and conduct herself in ways that I didn't think were ethical or even legal sometimes. And, you know, if I voiced that, she just felt betrayed because she's like, well, I basically got you this job. You got to just do whatever I say and what I want. I was like, well, that's not how jobs work. Certainly not how friendships work. Certainly not how I work. And because her job was temporary, whether she was the one that fired me or like let me go, it wasn't firing because when you're temporary, um, they just literally request you as needed. And when you are not needed anymore, um, you know, your contract expires or whatever. So I just know that, um, like, the, the, her workplace was really rocky, full of a lot of, you know, unethical type of things. For example, um, I was hired as a photographer and as a fashion designer. And some of the designs that they wanted me to make for their clothes, they were literally ripping off from Nike. They were like, go to Nike and basically recreate anything they were doing. Now, to me, I think that's unethical and it sucks. And this is the reason why businesses have a hard time thriving. Um, Nike is Nike. But when you look at it in a smaller context, um, if people, instead of trying to take somebody else's ideas, they created their own, then maybe there would be less competition where I can get Nike stuff and get 
horrible life stuff too. You know what I mean? Nonetheless, I, um, my contract ended whether it was based on her decision or not. It wasn't permanent, so it's not a big deal. Um, but I did notice that our friendship took a turn and, um, she sent me a text one day and she was like, um, I'm going away for the weekend and when I come back, I don't want you here, right? This is a person that was my best friend, um, when she was in high school, but not only that, I had two kids. I was newly here in LA and I had two kids and she was the only person I knew, nobody else. So maybe she, I understand she had to take care of herself, but it's because I wasn't able to beat her flunky. I wasn't able to, it was easier for me to, to buy into her shit in high school because I didn't know any better. But as an adult, I was like, no, Carla, you're not going to say or tell me some shit. I am an employee, right? And I have a responsibility and I'm not, if she would have told me like, listen, you are my assistant and you do whatever I say, whatever I want, not a problem. That's not what I was hired for. And I wasn't even hired by her, right? So I was hired by people over her. So ultimately, I had to qualify for the position. I had to prove to the company that I was the best candidate and I was able to do that. She could take credit if she wants to, but we all know the truth. You couldn't have just some homeless person in the street just be like, I want this job as a photographer and my friend is Carla and they would give it to them. No, you still would have to qualify. Okay, so what I noticed that when she couldn't use me anymore, then the friendship changed. And it was verified because I was doing this big photo shoot, big, big photo shoot for the company to do the entire catalog because I was also their photographer. And I remember that things just got really weird at the the work. I'm not a, a good employee because I'm not good with the following the rules and the nonsense and the politics. But I do remember things were getting weird at work, not just for me, everybody like was always constantly complaining. Again, let's talk about the power of complaining, right? The reason why gossip and complaining are one of the things that you need to eliminate from your life. <sighs> I digress. When I started seeing these shifts and changes, I'm not a stupid woman. I'm a grown ass woman. I did my photo shoot and took all my photos home, right? Because at the end of the day, as a, as a basically independent contractor, I, they were my photos. That's the thing where they messed up. They wanted those photos. They wanted the copyright to those photos. They should have hired me to be a permanent employee. As a contractor, you can establish things like copyright and just say, yeah, like how long licensing, commercial photography, right? And so I was like, okay, something's weird, something's off. And after the photo shoot, they wanted to let me go. You know, they were just like, hey, thank you so much for the work you've done. We don't need you anymore. They basically needed the, the catalog. The catalog was shot, except I had the photos. <gasps> so now they couldn't get rid of me until I had the photos. And I remember Carla just like, oh my God, please, can you just give me the photos? Oh my God. Like, And I was just like, Okay, Carla, like everything that you guys are doing is not right. It's not good. And I don't want to miss out on the like my legal rights because you guys are not doing things correctly. Um, and so she was like, they want you to 
um, because I think that by that time they were like, hey, we don't need you anymore. And then they realized, right, they didn't have the photos and they're like, oh, my God. And so um, I think I got this message that was just like, hey, they need the photos. Oh, my God, they need them right away. And I don't think they had let me go because I remember still being a part of putting the images together in the catalog. Um, but at some point I knew that they were like, they didn't need me anymore. And that's the problem with transactional relationships sometimes that once you get what you need out of that, then you don't care about the person. No care. You don't care. Right. And so what happened was that, you know, I, my contract ended, not a big deal. I send the photos and she's like, I want that. They need you to delete them. I was like, (laughs) no, no, send the photos end of story and then then she was like hey I'm leaving and I don't want you to be here when I come back so she put me and my two little kids out in the street and she will claim that she's a really good person now here's the thing no matter what anyone has ever done my two little kids did not do anything to her and I was only I was in the process of getting an apartment which then I couldn't because I had to just leave her house before and she gave me she sent me a text and then she was like and I don't want to talk about it so I was like okay because let's we're friends let's like I'll move out but let's talk about it because I didn't think that burning down the friendship I moved all the way here she's the only resource that I had I didn't think that that was it was so drastic now on her side of the streets I don't know what she was going through but she was um trying to sue the company for mental distress and she was smoking weed and I don't know like it was just like a lot of stuff and you know sometimes it's easier to blame and to find a scapegoat and all that stuff but here's the thing though I was like okay shit got fucked up I did a ton of personal development work da 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 years later I find her and I was like oh my god Carla like you know so sorry for everything how everything turned out I hope that you're good how are you and you know what she did she just blamed me. She was like, it was your fault. Everything that went wrong with my life. And I was like, blocked. I was like, oh, okay. Same old Carla from high school who just feels inferior. But Carla's a really good example on how the pattern of my friendships and my clients have been. And I never really truly saw it until I just went back and looked at every single person. What about, you know, what about Ashley? What about Jasmine? What about Allie? What about Maria? What about... See, I'm like thinking of people. Um, Marietta. How about Cassandra? How about... Like I, the, the list goes on and on. These friendships and these relationships where I felt like people were using me. Inclusively, I coach with, with um, an angel communicator. And after a few months of coaching, she's like, Janice, you're pretty fantastic. And I would love for you to work for me and you can help me and I will pay you. Now, this woman was charging me $11,000 to be in her coaching program. But when it came um, for her hiring me to do her um, content, her graphic design and to support her in her company, she had like even a hard time trying to pay me $200. And at some point I was just like, you're only paying me $200 and I have all this work to do. And she's like, well, what if I pay you like an extra hundred? And I was like, what if I just stop paying for the coaching? Because I'm paying you $11,000. And you're coming 
to me with 200 after you've told me how amazing and great I am. So I started to, again, see the pattern. Do you have a person who like thinks I am the best thing ever and I love the compliments so much and I need them so much that I miss all the red flags and then I'm upset about it. So let me tell you about my brand ambassadors. When I was running the brand ambassadors, I thought this is the best thing ever. I need to work on my portfolio. This is common to photographers. So if you're not a photographer, maybe this is new to you, but photographers constantly have to work on their art, on their portfolio, on their skills, right? I feel like everybody should be like that. But nonetheless, when I was um, ideating for updating my portfolio, I thought instead of using models, which is what I would normally use, I should actually work with real people, with real coaches, because I'm not in that place anymore when I'm just advertising to people. I'm actually more of like really, really wanting to support um, other women who are mystics and intuitives. And so when my business started to change, I was like, okay, we're going back into photography. Yay. We have a different um, way of operating, but I need to update my portfolio with my new clients in mind, with new my new style and with my new um perspective right because it will all have to work together but what happens is all my brand ambassadors were exactly like carla maybe with the exception of one or two they all were super super ass kissy like you're the best you're the most amazing person in the world you're the best i would tell everybody about you you're the best and i'm like oh my god Thank you. I will shoot you the best photos you've ever do, done. So you can continue to give me these amazing compliments. You know, words of affirmation is my love language. So sometimes people like love bombing and words of affirmations can be really tricky because I receive love through words. But if you're love bombing, you're using words. And a little girl in me that may still have some codependency is not always able to discern when the love is real. And a lot of times the love is real, even if it's coded with someone who is codependent because they really do appreciate me. And I really do feel the appreciation in that moment. My friend Jill taught me about integrity versus sincerity. She's a person that taught me that there are some men who are sincere. What does that mean? It means like you're talking, you're on a date and you're just like, hey, and everything's going really good. And you say, hey, man, I would love to see you again. Would you love to see me? And the guy goes, yeah, totally. I really like you. You're super amazing. And he goes, I'm going to call you tomorrow. And he goes, okay. And everybody is being sincere in that moment. The next day, he doesn't call. So we go, oh, my God, he's a liar. He's a piece of shit. Mm, not necessarily. What, the could, what could be operating here is that he's got no integrity because follow through is integrity if you say somebody you you know that you're gonna call them now out of an emergency you do call them or um you say you're gonna show up for something and you do um and so as she explained that to me she's like well he's got you know we're talking about men she's got no integrity because a sincere man would tell you something from the heart in that moment the next day when he's sincere about something else when he's focused on something else and he has no integrity that sincerity that you experience is really attractive to a woman, but it, it becomes like completely dismantled the next day when he doesn't call because you're like, what if he was so sincere? I felt so, yeah, he was. 
But sincerity doesn't mean that you have integrity. You could be very sincere in a moment and then not back it up later, right? <clears throat> well, my brand ambassadors were a big lesson for me. I, the, I, took some, uh, I told people the requirements and, and all the things. And the mistake was that instead of staying and maintaining that professionalism, I really turned all these girls into like a bunch of friends. And the moment that I did that, they no longer felt like they should credit me for my images. They no longer felt like they needed to respect my work and they could share it and give it to other people. Um, there was one girl in particular basically stole all any single word that I said, any word that came out of my mouth, and she would use she would justify it in her mind by using the word we. She created a post that was like, what we think are the trends. I read the post and I was like, wait, basically these are what I think are the trends because I told you these things and you happen to agree. It wasn't like my girl Adanis, this is what she says. How generous and how awesome would have that been? Because those were my words. Inclusively, I did one of her events and my car broke down. And as I'm telling the story online that my car broke down, she wrote a comment that a better story would have been where I shared that she came and picked me up. And I realized I was back in the pattern, back in the pattern of someone who not only would use me in some type of way, but had this like arrogance and audacity, you know, and I was just like, why would you think that a story about my perspective includes you? Yes, you picked me up, but it's because you had an event that people paid you, which she did not pay me, people paid you for. And um, I remember the first day that we hung out, I wasn't happy, but I was. The inner child in me was like, yay, a friend. But the adult me was a little concerned. This person, um, the first time that we met, it was for a photo shoot because she was one of my brand ambassadors. And uh, I, my studio's in my house. After the, some of the things that she did, I've become a little bit more protective on who I bring to the studio in my house. And inclusively, I tell people like, I don't have a bathroom. Um, so make sure you use the bathroom before you get, of course, if there's an emergency, you can come inside my house, but I don't want people in my house because my house is my sacred space. But, and, and it, it directly happened as a result of something that she did. Um, we were shooting the entire morning or whenever or day, and we had a really good shoot and everything was going fine and we were vibing and we we're having a great time and we we're crying and she's like, I've never felt so good it's this is like the embodiment of the work that i did i'm so lucky i manifested you i prayed to god you're an answer prayer so she's giving me all that that yummy 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 complimentary things that i that i like to hear right except that i didn't see the other things that were on the codependent side now some of the things that i've had to learn is that when someone becomes your friend really quickly and they start dumping on you a bunch of stuff this is actually not good, not healthy, and not even welcomed. And so I have to train my inner child to be like, listen, she's kissing your ass a lot, and she's making you feel really good. But I'm here to make sure that this is something we can, we can build together, something we can trust, right? So my inner child is like, yeah, okay, take care of me, protect me. Because she's just wild and free and wants to be friends with everybody. And she's like, come into my house and... You saw my stuff. Be my friend. I think that's what friendship is. A friendship, the way a child sees a friendship is to give. 
I remember my little boy, he's six. So when he was five, he was saying, I want Derek to come to my house so he can play with my toys. You understand? Come to my house and play with my toys. He wasn't like, I want to go to Derek's house and take his toys. So I think that the, 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 that children are generous in nature. Nonetheless, I remember there are some things that I was like, this is not good, but they're so minimal and small. And that's why we often dismiss them. So after the photo shoot, she's like, um, let me buy you, like, let me buy you lunch. Let me buy you something. And so we get a menu and we, you know, get some DoorDash and we order something. And I was like, hey, do you want some water? She's, you know, sitting on, on the couch. We're talking. Then the food came in and we're eating. And I remember going into the fridge and going to get something to drink and there was nothing to drink. And I was like a little bit like, why? Where's my water? She was like, oh, I think I took your last, your last water. And in that moment, I could have punched her in the face. I was like, I just fucking met you. You're inside my home. Now you're in my fridge. Now you're eating my food. You didn't ask me. I didn't even know you were in my fridge. Like, who the fuck are you? And my response was like, oh, that's okay. I have more because that is the truth. But I was so freaked out and weirded out. Now, I also grew up with a Puerto Rican mom and you couldn't just go like a stranger from the streets coming in the house and go through the cabinets and go through the fridge. You just couldn't do that. Like that was so crazy to me. And I also thought like she knows nothing about me. She's going to take my last drink. And that's a pet peeve of mine that if you go in the fridge and I bought something for me, right? Maybe I bought Madeline's or ice cream or something. And it's the last one, then you need to ask me. If there's more than one, you can take it. If there's three, there's four, if there's an abundance, you can take it. But if it's the last piece, give me the courtesy of letting it be something like I choose to give you now that you take it from me. And so I was like, I can't believe she didn't even ask. And she was like, I grabbed your last water when I was looking for it. Didn't say, I don't even know where I went. And maybe I got to the bathroom. How, how in the moment that I've gone to the bathroom, somebody's gone through my fridge. I visited a lot of people's homes. I've been friends with people for years and I don't go in their fucking fridge. You know what I mean? My friend Lacey, which I was talking about, um, she always wants me to spend the night with her. She always wants me to spend uh, time with her. I told her that my son is in Florida and he's graduating and she's like, stay with me, please, 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 please. And she gives me free reign. Open the fridge, do whatever you want. We've been friends for years and I still don't open the fridge. It's her house and she wants to give me food. She'll feed me. And there's many times that um, she's left to have to go to work and I stay behind and I open the fridge and granted, we've been friends for years since my daughter was, before she was 10 and my daughter's 23. This girl I just met that day. I, I get it. We had a beautiful photo shoot. I get it. I accept you. I heard you. I believe in you. I get it. All those things, but it totally removed that she, you know, she did not respect my space. And ultimately, if you don't respect my space, you don't respect me. Granted, not that long after she was talking to my man behind my back. And, you know, obviously that relationship had to end. And I'm a bad breaker up or so. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the pod, this podcast episode, but my favorite way to deal with problems is to ignore them <laughs> sometimes no not really but definitely I don't want to confront her and say hey I think that 
it's inappropriate things that you're doing. And mind you, she was just taking all my content and complaining that people did that to her. The moment she started complaining about people taking her content, I started to get insight into who she really was. And it started to freak me out because I was like, man, am I here again? Another person, another friend, another slash client. What am I not seeing? So I started to dig into a lot of like codependency. And so I was like, what is the codependency? What am I doing? And for some reason or the other, as I'm talking to people, as I'm discovering and researching, it wasn't that I was in codependency, which made me feel really, really good. It's a combination of things, right? A lot, a lot of compassion, right? Most people that are mentors and coaches and personal development consultants, um, they're very compassionate people. That's why they even get into this business, right? And second of all, you know, all the compliments um, I thought were, were real and sincere, and they could have been, but remember sincerity and integrity. You can be in, she could be completely sincere, and then she could be in complete lack of integrity because integrity means integrity to something. Integrity to what? Well, integrity to values, and maybe we just had misaligned values, right? I'm giving you all the tea so you understand the context. I see this pattern everywhere. And so recently I reached out to a few people, a few women about masterminds and about certain friendships that are not transactional because what I started to understand is like, I think that as long as I am unable to have a, a, like a line between like you are friend and you are client, then I was blurring those two. And I was like, this is not working out. I thought that the best thing that could happen in a coaching relationship was the friendship that developed, not so much from what I'm experiencing. What I really want to say is be careful with those people who made you feel like home when home was toxic, right? I come from an abusive background. My dad was, um, he would go into a fit of rage and, you know, beat up whoever was in the way. I don't know that I ever saw him hit my mom. But he does definitely hit me. And my biological father was physically abusive to my mom. The whole point is that I started to do a lot of investigating on myself. And I was like, you know, since you can trace it back, you've had this feeling and this response to life. And I was like, man, I see the issue. How are we going to get on top of this? And um, asking you shall receive, right? I think I, I believe that if you ask, you receive. But I believe that what you ask is important, how you ask and the context of the, you know, what you get from a question. So most of the time when you ask a question, you get an answer. It doesn't mean that you get money, right? So if you ask a question like, I want money, how can I get money? I need money. Then you're going to get an idea on maybe um, something you can sell. Um, it's not just going to be that like a million dollars is going to rain from the heavens when you ask. It's going to show up in some type of idea. It, it, it's going to show up energetically as, at first. Listen, this is a long, windy road. When, we, when I do these very ranty podcasts, I'm not just unraveling my experience, but I'm also processing. Some people process through talking. So um, hopefully my processing is, is giving you some golden nuggets here. First of all, you, the first thing that you may identify is the type of relationships that you attract in your life. They may be in the same resonance of like, damn, I feel like I'm always 
um, at the short end of the stick, right? It always feels like you give more than you get type of feeling. It doesn't need, need to be like this excessive, like people are using me, but it does show up. And one of the people I was talking about, she did have a really strong fear of being used. And remember, sometimes those fears can be because they were already uh, used and abused, then they have that that pattern, like, I don't want to be used, I don't want to be used, right? But ultimately, because they'll have those patterns and the pendulum swings both ways, they could potentially be abusive as well. I don't want to be used, so they use other people. And I feel like I had that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I didn't understand it. When you're in your victim mentality, there's when you grow up in an abusive situation, it seems like there's only two options. You're either the victim or the one um doing the abuse right and so when you come from a difficult um, background you play with those ideas what happens is that being someone that was abusive and controlling did not feel good and so unconsciously it's kind of like well if i don't want to be the abuser then i'm the one that's always abused now that is a kinder perspective it is way kinder to make yourself the victim than to victimize other people. You understand why that's kinder, right? Because I don't think that anyone feels comfortable in victimizing other people unless they have been victimized themselves. And this is where bullies really come from. They come from like being fed up with like feeling so crappy about themselves, except they never feel better on their own. They only feel better by perhaps comparing themselves to others and putting others down. I know for sure I've been in my victim energy for a very long time. I it was in me before I was born. Obviously, it had to be in me because you cannot invite abuse from a pure frequency. So let's say that a baby is a pure frequency of love and they've never done anything wrong. According to the law of attraction, then they would never be able to attract anything bad. Right? Think about it. Like attracts like. So that baby came in with some type of frequency that was the thing he or she experienced. It's hard to say these things because I know people are just like, children are innocent. Yeah, well, even the Bible says that everybody's sin and no one's innocent, you know? So that's what it means. It means we come in with a frequency. This frequency is what we have to overcome. So we come in with a victim mindset, victim frequency. If I did not have a victim frequency from the moment I was born, I would not have experienced abuse in my childhood, right? So when we try to blame our parents sometimes, and I, I, I do it often, we forget that we came in with certain frequencies, right? Why is it that one child um, in the same family, one gets sexually abused and the other one doesn't? What's, what would be the, the reasoning behind that? Okay, so I'm telling you about my wonky friendships and relationships. So I was like, all right, I'm going to get behind this. My friends, they're like, I don't understand what's going on. I feel like people take a lot. You give them an inch, they take a yard type of thing. You know, I was really freaked out by the, the idea that this girl came in and she just like made herself at home. Um, that she felt that she could have conversations with my man and message him privately and keep secrets like so weird 
Um, and I'm pretty sure like in her mind, it was all maybe innocent. But here's the thing, our unconscious mind, right? Where like our unconscious behaviors are not saying like, you're doing this because you're a user. No, it's actually saying like, wow, this is a really good opportunity for me to learn. And it's going to justify you utilizing that person, you know? So I was like, okay, I took the summer. I took the summer off because um, I always do because my, my kids are off at school. And I was like, this is also a perfect opportunity to dig into why the brand ambassadors also replicated this behavior. Like when I look back at it, it the, the clients have it, the friendships have it. Now, not the rec- not just the recent friendships. I don't feel this way at all with the friendships that I developed when I lived in Florida. So that's interesting. But I was like, there's a really, really crazy pattern here. And I don't know how to, to get on the other side of it. And so today I was doing some work and I noticed that I started to get really complaining and I had made a commitment I told one of my friends I was like I am kind of tired of the complaints I'm tired of complaining people I know it starts with me so if I've used this friendship to complain like a dumping ground I'm sorry and she was like no I haven't noticed that you complain that much and I was like oh thank god but I know I have maybe I was complaining less than her but I certainly was complaining so I reached out to a couple of people and I said listen I'm going through a little bit of an experience, an experiment, a la 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 la, call it what you will. But there's some people that I would love to like be friends with, be connected with. And, you know, even if they need my support in photography, whatever, like I would just love to have a non-transactional relationship. And I reached out to a couple of people and they were like, oh my God, of course, like, of course. And here's a couple things that I noticed. At the beginning, it was the same, same pattern. really complimentary oh absolutely i would love to work with you amazing 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 this is great this is exactly what i needed this is uh la 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 and great i felt really amazing about it too except like a month into it it's nothing but complaining and i realized that some people complain and don't realize that they're complaining and then i was like holy shit am i that person Am I the person that's complaining and I don't realize that I'm complaining? So let me give you some shadow work to do. And we're going to just use this opportunity as a workshop. I didn't have a chance to post my uh, podcast yesterday. So I think I'm making up for it with extra talking. And I'm always very, 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 very talkative on my period. That was what happens when the blood comes out. Um, I feel like it's a blessing and a curse, right? Because I am very direct but I also have a lot of things to say and it all wants to come out at once, right? I'm able to channel, I'm able to get really attuned with spirit. I don't know why being in in the period allows me and gives me that access, Um, but it just feels like a lot is coming out. So, you know, ride the roller coaster with me or have a beautiful day, right? Whatever. So one of the things that I like to do, and I learned this from a book and I don't remember exactly the name of the book, but it was about writing a list of the people in your life that have these negative traits, right? So back in the day, um, when I did this work in in this way, it was around family. I was like, well, you know, my mom sometimes is like this, like this, like this. And then you just write it out. You're not, you could be mean. Nobody's looking at this paper. So you can say exactly what you want. I was like, you know, I really didn't like this and didn't like that. And you just write down all the negative aspects, right? The negative aspects now with abraham hicks he's um he she is really always reaching for positive feeling and i get that sometimes um 
not sometimes that is the actually best option but we also have our own individual journeys to to explore i have my all my centers defined in my in my human design and so one of the things that um, i personally am here to do is to experience things myself and to draw from spirit a unique message I had a friend say like, oh, nothing's really unique. We're just using everybody's stuff. And I was like, not so, not true. Reason why you're not making money because you are using other people's content and you probably feel bad or guilty about it. You probably don't feel unique. You probably don't feel special. That's why one of the works that we do when we work together is that you need to know who you are and how cool you are and how special you are and draw all your evidence and your energy from that place. That's it. Point period blank. So um, I started to do this um, um, negative aspects, right? It's quite the opposite of what Abraham Hicks would say, but I, I have a really fun formula for you. So if you want to follow along, feel free to pause and, and do it with me, do it together. So the first thing that I wrote was um, uh, negative aspects. And I just chose people in my current reality, in my life, that were like literally getting on my nerves. It's really, really, really easy for me to do when I'm on my period because again, I'm like, my tolerance is like almost a none and I'm, you know, hypersensitive, hyper aware and I have a lot of things to say. And so I started to work the book, not the book, but negative aspects. And I was like, you know what, Janice, this is not it. It's focusing on people's negative aspects is not it. But I do then... Um, remind I reminded myself of that one exercise it is shadow work which I don't love to to do a ton of it but I do think that is really helpful sometimes so I was like okay fine let's do the shadow work I don't want to but this is the perfect time to do it on my period and so I was like all right so instead of creating a book of positive aspects which is what I wanted I was like I should just focus on people's positivity I was like you know what I think that it's going to be easier for me to like take a look at the things that they're annoying me with why because of what i said earlier could i be one of those people that is constantly complaining that is so super negative and i'm completely unaware of it because that's the power of unawareness i guess <laughs> like you don't know what you don't know you can't see what you can't see duh as i've talked and dug into some friendships and started to develop some friendships and i realized that all they do is complain i was like oh my god like am i might hear again but i was like this time i am going to get to the bottom of this i am very lucky that i've uh, reduced my resistance to money um because i'm having a different relationship with why i do my business right and in order for me to feel like the business that I want to do is about giving back. I actually have to give back because there is a difference between sincerity and integrity. And I want to be both sincere and in, in, in te- integrity. Okay, so I decided to pick the friendships, brand ambassadors. It didn't matter just as long as it was recent. You know, I don't want to go back into like when I was 16 years old, my friend was an asshole. I think doing that, it really um, elicits things that are unnecessary like you can have if you have a negative emotion in the present understand it comes from the past and that's it you don't have to be like what was the moment when somebody said to me like what was the moment that your mom made you feel bad i was like uh one moment the first time uh i don't know 
Like, what? Such a silly question to ask a, a person. Can you ask a child? Can I go up to my six-year-old who's like, when was the first moment I made you feel bad about yourself? He's going to be like, I don't feel bad about myself. <laughs> ah, he's so cute. I can hear him say that in my head. Okay, so let's do the work. Very recently, friendships, relationships, um, I don't care what it is. Something that is really, really annoying you. It could be a partner. And just pick one person. So I'm going to pick my, my partner for this example. Now, I'm going to tell you that these are not accurate. I'm just using this as an example to show you because I don't want to actually reveal the real person that I did this on. <laughs> because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And my man doesn't care. And obviously, because this is not about him, it's going to be irrelevant. But it's going to prove a point. His name is Jesse. So I put Jesse's negative aspect. It's like, you know, he's always complaining. He complains so much. He's completely unaware that every other word of his conversation is a complaint. Then I wrote, um, never satisfied. Talks about how much money he had when he was working at E, how much money he had when he was working at um, another company and, and how he like the money he has now is just like not enough. And it also feels like there's this deep level of dissatisfaction with life. It's just like, ugh, why can't I catch a break? Why can when is it my turn? Um, he's actually very, very jealous of other people, right? And it's interesting because the people he's jealous of are the people that he felt victimized by. So it's very interesting. Okay, what else? Um, obsessed, obsessed, pure obsession with having money to feels like it does feel like it's to prove to other people something um uh very much in the victim energy because like for example he will tell me like oh i had this great experience i got an interview for this new job and then like you know we'll celebrate hi oh my god that's so cool in the next breath he's like but my car broke down and it's so annoying right and it's like oh we couldn't even celebrate the, the celebration because it was immediately like you know overshadowed by something bad even though it wasn't like the worst thing like my car is broken i can get it fixed but who cares so right but it's like yeah but you couldn't even sit with the happiness you couldn't even sit with like the good news um he kind of demands perfection out of people but also does not want him himself to be perfect um, he is not in alignment. Um, so things that he says is, I want, you know, I want people to come into my life that are like this, like this and like this. And then he's not like that at all. Right. It's, it's almost like saying, I want people to come into my life that are uh, really talkative and really um, outgoing and really positive. And then that person is like really shy and really quiet and really pessimistic. It's like, yeah, you want that. I get it. I get what you want that, but you're not that. So when they, he doesn't get those friendships, he doesn't get those relationships, then he's like really frustrated. So again, this invisibility, this, you know, my man, he's like doing all these behaviors. I can see it from the outside looking in, but he doesn't know that he's complaining all the time. He doesn't know that he's like walks around with this huge chip on his shoulder that he's dissatisfied. He doesn't know that he's completely jealous of everybody that um, he works with. And he's then on top of that, super resentful. Um, he doesn't realize that he's not in alignment. 
right in order for him to attract people in his life the way he wanted to be he would have to make an effort to be that person himself and it doesn't mean that if you're an introvert that you have to become an extrovert no but you have to be in alignment like i am an intro uh, extrovert and my man's an introvert so he's not going to desire like i want an introvert i want an extrovert he probably is like you know i really like someone that's really talkative because i'm really quiet but the frequency is not that he's talkative and that I'm not or he's talkative, he's not talkative and I am. No, the frequency is that we agree about the topics in which we talk. So I could do all the talking, blah, 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 which I normally do. And he usually just nods and agrees. We are in alignment even though we're expressing ourselves in different ways. One thing that I noticed is that he doesn't ever want to give people credit, right? So when I help him out with his situations, when I give him resources, when, I, you know, when I'm there for him, he never wants to say like, hey man, it's really cool that you got me and you supported me through that. Uh, he'll go and explain it to somebody else as if he came to this conclusion all on his own. And I'm not wanting credit, but I do think it's incredible to like read it and just be like, oh, you're making it seem... And this is what all my clients... Not all my clients stole my work, but the ones that did, they did pass it off as like they had this aha moment. And it's like, you didn't have an aha moment. You had an Janice moment, but okay. It's just never felt good. But um, they also justify their stealing, right? Maybe um, he justifies his stealing. So for example, um, like with... With certain things like cultural things, like for example, let's talk about braids. Like, it still feels really strange for me to see a white person like super blonde with braids. Um, it reminds me of someone that like went on vacation to Jamaica and is like, I got my hair braided. <laughs> um, but also it's because I remember when you're a kid and you got, like when I was a kid, when my peers were kids and they got their hair braided, you were like, you just like were poor and like, you know what I mean? It wasn't cool. It wasn't seen as something beautiful. Even if we thought it was cool, it wasn't um, something that other cultures thought that was cool. I remember my mom and then my mom was born in 1960. So she was a little girl in the 1960s. And she rem she says that when she was getting to be a little bit older, like a teenager, they would still braid her hair like she was a little girl. But she was like, I'm not a little girl anymore. So she would go to school, unbraid her hair and have like a nicer hairstyle and then rebraid her hair the way that um her family, her auntie, her aunties or whoever was watching her and that they would inspect her hair. And if they thought that she had, um, you know, taken her hair off or whatever, they would slap her in the face. And my mom received so much abuse one time. She told me that she was a talker too. And they were just like, Anna, shut up. And she wouldn't. She was like, you don't have to kill me because I'm tired of not speaking up. And they just kept slapping her so much so her face was swollen. This is child abuse. And these are the normal situations that some people grew up with. And so when I think about that, and I know there might be people here in America who are just like, I don't see the big deal. Especially if you're like in your 20s because like all these things are cool now but these are the things that used to be um painful so it's a really um it's a transition for everybody right like i have to be okay with cultural appropriation to a degree because um it's it's nice that people like your culture there appreciate it um but by another standard i'm like 
huh, what's interesting about America is that we have what we call whites. And if you think about whites, they have no culture, no religion, no, no, nothing in common except the color of their skin. They could be Italian, they could be Irish, they could be, you know, they could be from anywhere. And as long as the color of their skin is white or seems white, they're white, white, white. And so they don't have a culture, they don't have a food, they don't have a tradition. And they all get lumped into this, this big thing. So I also get it. I also get that there is some people here that um, with colonization, they were, you know, came into this, into this reality here in America. And now that they're older, they can um, see how those things don't make sense that it's they're cool. Like I love braids. So I'm gonna get my hair braided. I'm not trying to steal from your culture. And they have no reference to knowing about some of those painful things that happen as a result of like racism and religion. So what I did and I want you to do is stop this if you need to and write to pick. I would say pick one person. You can put, pick multiple people, but I would say pick the person that irritates you the most. I had a fight with my man, so it's easy to go and nitpick him to death, right? And here's the most powerful part. When I'm talking to God, I'm like, God, why is this happening? I don't want to be with a person who's constantly in a negative mindset, who's constantly complaining. You know, I thought about my friend Carla. I thought about my friend Val. I thought about my other friend Z. And I was like, I don't want to be in those situations. I don't want to be loving and kind and generous. I want friendships that are like that for me. So I don't have a problem being that friend. I even had this girl, that fucking girl who came here and drank my drinks and, you know, walked around my house like it was hers and started talking to my man behind my back. She even said to me after she had taken from me so much for free, again, someone that I was like, can you just please give me just the line credit? If you are going to use the images that we use for the brand ambassador, like you need to credit. That's the condition. That's the payment. And so for some reason, it does like people refuse. Now, I'm not blaming them. I'm recognizing these behaviors so, so I can try to get some leverage as to why I'm experiencing these things. Um, I look back, um, things like um, some of my clients, most of my clients that I work with, um, they were sexually abused. And I was like, I started to dig into it. I was like, why are they all sexually abused? Now, I wasn't sexually abused, but what I wrote was just abused, right? Sometimes we want to make it like, worse or better and abuse is abuse so let's just put the word abuse and i was like okay for if it's just a matter of abuse then we're all abused girls most of my clients have been um women of color um asian black latino have i had white yeah white but european which uh, it's not the same (laughs) it's not the same um and what i did is i created this list so create a list of all the negative aspects all the negative aspects really like get annoyed get angry let it all come out another thing that i notice is it my my health is impacted and i was like i've been working my ass off i've been working really hard could it be that i'm working too hard right and my body is like no we need to rest but when i dig into it it's it's one of the reasons that i i don't get sick easily but one of the things that will always 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 make me sick is stress and it is related to relationships. I had a coach and I was so stressed around her that I couldn't sleep. I would sleep and I would be up to like new midnight and then wake up at three in the morning and because she wanted to me to do a bunch of unethical practices that I just couldn't, I couldn't sleep, I, I couldn't sit with that. Okay, so 
after you've created this list of all the gunk and all the stuff, we're going to utilize this as a way to get um, some insight into ourselves. Now, the book that I read this, like, let me see if I remember the name of it. I think the author is Ananda Washington or something like that. Um, but it's it's an it's an exercise that I've seen in in many places. So, but I just want to tell you like that's the first time that I remember seeing this exercise. And after you write down um, um, some negative aspects, then you cross their name out and write yours. Ooh, nobody likes that part. And <laughs> here's what I want you to understand about that: that if you feel uncomfortable by crossing their name and putting yours. Now you've made something invisible, visible. Because with resonance, with um, frequency, with law of attraction, like attracts like, there is no fucking way in hell that I could be healthy in these areas and attract people who are not. That is not the law. That is not how it works. So once you, you know, I removed Jesse's name and I put mine, cross out his name and put mine. A gentler way to dig through this is to say, sometimes I complain a lot. Oof. And then you let that settle through you because that is the reason why you're attracting complaining people. It's not because complaining people um, magically are attracted to you and you never complain. Obviously, you must be complaining and may not be aware of it. So this is an exercise of drawing awareness to your quote-unquote shadow. So let's look at the things that we've already covered, right? Constant complaining. So I put a Janice negative aspects, constant complaining. And I got to sit with that because I want to disagree. And when you want to disagree, you understand that there's resistance. And when there's resistance, there's protection. And it's protection from what? Your shadow is protecting you from a painful thing. What is being protected? by constantly complaining, right? Now, that's not the work that we're doing right now. But just understand how it goes. I don't need to find out what's being protected. Just know that the constant complaining is protecting me from something. That's all I need to know for this exercise to work. Next thing, never satisfy. Adanis is never satisfied. Ooh, that stings. Um, Adanis is jealous of people. Ooh, that stings. Um, Adanis is too focused on prosperity wait i gotta put my glasses on <laughs> because i cannot see janice is too focused on prosperity so she teaches on subjects that are not money because they're somewhat easier to fake right so for example i know i'm kind of telling telling on myself here a little bit so, for example, what I wrote was that Jesse was too focused on money. And instead of teaching, um, you know, on money, which is what he wants to do, he teaches on how to, like, play soccer. He coaches on soccer because he can't coach on money, but money is what he wants to coach on. Do you understand? So, when I put, Janice is too focused on money or prosperity so she's focused on for me would be photography that way i don't have to focus on the money aspects right now again these are not things that you will agree to 
Because if you agree to these, you would understand that these are the problems. When you find resistance to any one of these particular answers, that is the ones that you got to go, oh, okay. So I am to focus on the wrong things. Got it. Or, you know, that's the discovery. What else? Adanis um, wants a quick fix, right? Doesn't want to do the hard work. I'd rather go take a pill than go to therapy. I'd rather go um, have plastic surgery than go to the gym. I'd rather um blah 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 blah. you get it you like you get the point so i keep going down the list and a janice is not in alignment a janice is she shouldn't be a coach anymore i think coaching has an expiration uh, uh, both for people who need coaching and people who are coaches i think that after a while you've coached yourself into being unable to continue to coach I think that you then move on onto something like a bigger dream, you know, maybe writing a book so then you can spread that type of coaching and message for more people. But I mean, whatever. Who cares? Do what you want. This is just about me. Um, so a Janice doesn't want to give credit to other people who've helped her along the way. Um, a Janice just wants things to be easy, doesn't want to work hard for it. A Janice doesn't have a solid identity which she can grasp um a janice has um is still dealing with her abusive past and your issues that came about child abuse and after looking at this list i go huh so my conversation with the divine was this i could look at a person and judge them and criticize them and be like man what's wrong with them or I can do this work. I can use that person to figure out are the things that I'm noticing and then immediately understand that these things are in me. Okay, I'm not just going to leave you with all this shadow. What are we going to do about it? Well, the first thing is to understand that this is a story. This is your current story. This is a story that is creating those wonky friendships. This is the story that's creating negative um or dissatisfied uh, friendships, relationships, clients. This is the story. It's right here. So what happens when we change the story? Well, when you change the story, you change the frequency. What is the opposite of constantly complaining? I'm going to give you the formula to having, you know, a, a, a good life based on your own individual things that you're going through. So if you did this work, now we're just simply going to completely go onto the other side of it because the pendulum swings both ways so if on one end of the of the pendulum i'm always complaining then the magic pill and the medicine is to stop complaining stop complaining if um at one side of the pendulum i am never satisfied on the other side it's practice satisfaction if i am jealous of people then on the other side of the spectrum is to dive into um like your own your own value how you value yourself right so you don't have to experience jealousy um i'm too focused on money then come over here and focus on service come to all the other on the other side of that um to focus on being a victim come all the way over here now the victim is always like a really tricky one because since I grew up in an abusive environment, it was either you're a victim or you're a bully. So I had to go even, it feels like there's three steps. There's like the victim that could easily get empowered and turn into a bully, which is not real power. It's just, you know, a victim on crack. 
And then we go over that. And in order for me to really truly understand what that is, on the other side of the victim is the warrior. Except the warrior did not sound like something I liked, but I am a warrior. If you know anything about me, you know I'm a warrior. But this one word made it better. The warrior of God or light warrior. That way, it felt like I'm fighting for a good cause. And so it was like, oh, you could be the strong, like the bully has a strength, but it's, it's rooted on insecurity and inferiority. The sacred light worker, the light warrior has a lot of power, but is rooted in God's love and in God's provision and in God's support, right? If I desperately want a quick fix, then the thing is to go for the slow fix, right? Maybe I want a five-minute meditation that would change my life forever. But what I need to be doing is doing a one-hour meditation so I can deep dive into the other realms. On the one side is demanding perfection. And the other side is not just not demanding it, but what if we dive into personal perfection? Not to be confused with perfectionism. Personal perfection is where you perfect yourself to the degree where all your good things and all your bad things, they are you, they, they are what make you up and you lose the desire to want to change yourself. You're like the good, the bad, and the ugly, they are all me. They're not separated. They're one package. If you take all my nasty stuff away from me, you would not have a Janice. You would have something else. And for in order for me to be fully in this body, fully in this life, fully in this presence, I have to deal with the human part that we often want to make um, as something bad, something negative. So I had to go and st stop trying to demand perfection from others and step into that perfection myself. Be the perfect Janice, not a perfect human, the perfect Janice. And we can do that because I think Jesus said, uh, be perfect as I am perfect. I'll look it up. So he did not say that. What Jesus was saying is, um, but you are to be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect, which is even even better, which is meaning this is it's telling us right here, Matthew 5, 48, that your perfection comes from God. Now, if you think God is perfect, then you can simply take God's attributes and God's qualities and bring that into your life, right? And then you can start to aspire a perfection that is a heavenly divine perfection, which simply means that it just goes... Um, the perfection of God is just something based on love and compassion and something good. Like God represents um, the ideal, the ideal love, which is unlimited. Now, or unconditional. It is unlimited and unconditional. But let's consider why, quote unquote, sin had to exist. Without humans making mistakes, we couldn't even prove that God had unconditional love. Right? That's why I don't believe in hell. Because if God is unconditional love, unconditional love can tolerate all things. It could put up with all things. It understands all things. So there's no freaking way that something in someone as magical and as wonderful as a universe could, that understands all things and is perfect mind can um, demand from us um, things that we may be completely incapable of um, based on the understanding and the awareness that we have right now. So if Jesus said 
that you can be perfect as your father is perfect then there this there is a perfection right that maybe is not like the human perfection but there is a per- uh, perfection that exists and that is to be my focus <laughs> and i exactly know how that is that's just more more spiritual work what else um not in alignment that one's a hard pill to swallow because i always want to be in alignment so I have to check into like where are the areas in my life that are not in alignment with my core values. So this doesn't have to be like the like the worst thing like I'm not in my alignment. No. Alignment simply means alignment to what? In agreement to what? So I have these core values um that I operate from and sometimes when things get wonky, I go back and I realize that I'm just not living from my core values. Um so right here once you create this list and then just simply swing all the way to the opposite it's like what is the opposite of someone who doesn't have you know a solid divine identity does not identify themselves with the divine then all you have to do is do more spiritual work so essentially something like this can be the blueprint to your freedom because i actually believe that these things are in me at a very subtle level but it doesn't matter if the thing is crazy activated or is subtly activated if it's in you it will manifest and especially one of the things that i've um noticed and also learned from doing the sedona method is that sometimes we heal things in layers and sometimes we're only capable of healing that first layer and a little time a little bit of time passes and then when we work on the second one it feels like each time we work on something um it's not like things get worse but they could get more potent and it's because as you are healing each layer you're getting to the core problem which has been hidden from you for so long because it was so painful but as you're releasing the layers the real actual problem comes up and so we often have to recognize that it's coming up to be uprooted and released not necessarily because this is like a really super active frequency in you and you're a piece of shit right and so what makes me feel really happy about it is a couple of things um I'm a pr- practitioner, I'm a healer, I'm a metaphysics um minister and so I have the tools. Um uh, I don't use other people's tools anymore unless um they're they're true. <laughs> so I will I use the Sedona method, probably will use that for the rest of my life. I use Ho'oponopono, I'm a practitioner, that is a commitment, a life commitment to um that lifestyle in that um forgiveness practice and so there's some things that are hardwired hardcore these are the things that i live from and but i um after after some time i just really stopped taking courses and programs where people are just like here's what you need to do because i'm like no i don't need to hear from you i need to hear it from god so that means i need to go sit down and go meditate or go journal and let this divine speak directly directly to me i rather be like Jesus and be like the disciples. The disciples were getting their information from Jesus and Jesus was getting his information from God. You understand? So if you've done this work with me today on this workshop, um you're going to see that you have an actual list of all the things that you need to actually work on. The your new story, the new thing that you need to believe. So um there's a couple things that I will do to tackle this. Number 1, I will definitely do release Sedona method. 
I will definitely take this into Ho'oponopono practice and do a lot, a lot, a lot of forgiveness. Now, I'm not going to forgive, quote unquote, Jesse or the people that um, I utilize to create this list. I'm going to actually forgive myself because clearly all these frequencies, all these negative aspects are in me. And that is the reason why I'm experiencing them. And so I'm going to go into a Ho'oponopono practice and like really, 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 really clear and get to the bottom of these. Um, I think that I am might put a lot of the things that I need to do on hold or uh, carve out some time to really, really dig into this. Tomorrow is my ritual day where I spend an hour in meditation. But I feel like considering that this work came through today, then this is that it needs to be handled and tackled today. So what I call this is the friend experiment or the family experiment or the stranger experiment or the other person experiment. It doesn't matter. The experiment is just really that you're going to utilize someone in your life who's annoying the shit out of you or who's complaining or utilizing things. And you're going to utilize their words, their experience, all the things that you feel about them to understand that that frequency is in you. And then you're going to go use your, your modalities to heal it. There's a number of things that you can do. You can do denials. You can do affirmations. This is a really good li list to do affirmations it's a really good list to say you know i'm always at peace um you can't say i never complain because it's still focusing on blame i'm always at peace and all of all my friendships all my relationships bring me nothing but peace like they're just so fun they're so easy peace so because it's a compelling desire because I found out that there is a negative aspect because I have a deep desire to be in my integrity, not just in my sincerity. I have an actual blueprint of my particular healing of this scenario, right? And a really good experiment, that's why I call it the experiment, is to take a notebook, do this work, do this shadow work. And then um, for the next 30 days, um, you know, continue to observe and evaluate yourself. Are people getting less annoying since doing this work or more? Do you need to go back and do it again? What are the things that you notice? What has come up as a result of um, digging into this type of stuff? And honestly, simply just practicing the new story is going to be pivotal for you. So the last thing is to do is to, after you create a list of the opposite, right, which would be the positive aspects, then it would be really, really, really good to take on the Abraham Hicks a book of, of positive aspects. I would say that then after you have all this gunk out of the way, that you do spend the rest of the time utilizing this book, this notebook, this notebook, for developing your own positive aspects. Every single day, write all your positive aspects and see how you start to work the opposite of the story that you normally are used to working. Now, if you come into my 30-day journaling um, program, which is called Mystical Ink, which is a writing, it's creative, it's creative uh, writing, journaling type of program, 30 days with me, where you are going to dig into your sacred fame. But one of the things that we dig into that I really, really love is this type of work. And because this is a 30-day program where you do it as a self-study course and you do it on your own time, I didn't make it like super crazy, uh, crazy stuff with the shadow work. I kept it all really light, really fun, really easy. But there was one, one place where I chose to utilize a combination between um, like this process of like the positive story, the new story, and the book of 
positive aspects and I kind of combined it and I call it the book of compliments. And in the book of compliments, you're just simply going to write down your compliments, <laughs> compliment yourself. But it's basically the same work. You, instead of saying, right, like I started with, you know, I have people in my life that are constantly complaining. Then I go from that to I'm at peace. I have people in my life that bring me peace and joyful news and good news and fun conversations. And then I take it to the next level, which is I always get told that um, my conversations are fun and easy and light and people feel good after. You know what I mean? Like, and then I will compliment myself. So I would do this type of work to not only find out like maybe what is the irritation, but certainly take it all the way to the other side um, where I get to feel good about the new story. All right, so we've been together for two hours. Hopefully this helps you a ton. It certainly helps me a ton. I wanted to share this with you right away because I've done this type of work for a while, but this was a different level. This was a different layer and you're not going to make it in this world um, of, of sacred fame without um, sacred integrity, sacred sincerity, honesty, and, and deep devotion to the divine and to wanting to do things from from a good place. And so if you find that you're struggling around anything to do with prosperity, with fame, with your brand, with marketing, you know, take a look at this exercise and see if it can serve you. So now the second part of the experiment for me is going to be observing what my world is like for the next 30 days. I started to um, understand the, the the things that Jesse has elicited, right? The complaining that never satisfied. These are things that I felt in our exchange, which means they're in me. I'm going to go clear it. I'm going to go heal it. I'm going to do all the magical work and the treatments um, on these and then I'm going to watch and see. I'm going to watch how people talk to me, how I talk to people. I'm going to see how my clients are treating me, how people come into my life, how they respect me or don't respect me. Um, I'm going to watch all those things. I'm going to become extra sensitive to those things. So when I get the first inkling that this is still a frequency that I'm dealing with, I go right back into this work and do the deep level work. Sometimes the thing to do is to not give yourself the opportunity to let the shadow hide somewhere else. You see that motherfucker and you're like, oh, I see you. And you got to handle it while you have the capability of seeing it. A lot of people, instead of digging into this work, they will like ignore it. And what I did before was like, I would fire the clients. I would end the friendships and I would not tackle the real issue. The real issue was me. The real issue is me. But that's why I, I'm one of those people that I was like, I love correction from God. Correction from God always comes with love and kindness. Always comes with love and kindness. Because there's nothing better than sitting here and digging through all this and seeing the answer right in front of me and having the tools to take care of it. I do spiritual mind treatments. And so I have this divine training and calling and to help me heal these things at the psychological level. I also have you know, my spiritual <clears throat> relationship directly with the divine. And sometimes it's really cool is that the moment you're aware of these things, they unravel. Awareness itself is so powerful that it will unravel it when you can see it. And you cannot unravel it until you see it. This is not about a tool. This is not about a process. I have people in my world, people, friends, people, 
um, colleagues that um, they want, they're so, 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 so like hardcore sold on their discovery on their system. Um, on one sentence, they'll tell you like, there's nothing new under the sun. And in another breath, they'll be like, my system is like nothing I've ever seen before. Well, great. You've also never seen everything because you're just one little human. We've seen everything through humanity because all humans have different experiences. And that's how God is able to tune into all the experiences that we're all having. But in the end, we are having our own unique experience. That's the reason we came here. We came here to transcend. I want to invite you into my course is on Udemy. Now, I don't recommend that you find it. <laughs> what I do recommend is I will put it actually. Let me make myself a note. I will put it in the link and I will also put it on my website. Because sometimes um, you will not just find it. Um, I noticed that when you are first creating programs on Udemy and in different um, other teaching platforms, it doesn't show up right away. So if I tell you, just go on Udemy and look me up, my course might not be showing up. I remember that I published a course a few days ago and I went into the search bar and I looked it up and it didn't come up. And I was like, I just... And it took a couple of days before the SEO picked up on the on the keywords. And I can type in a word like fame and my, my stuff will come up too. Okay, so I, would, I hope that you do this. I hope that you do this. This is going to change your life. And if you decide that you are interested in sacred fame, my 30-day journaling program is remarkable. It's just like out of this world. It's just out of control. <clears throat> it is so good. I was telling my friend, I was like, it's so good. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> All these um, journaling prompts have been either things that have worked for me, they have been altered or shifted in a, in a way, or they have been just downloaded from, you know, my connection to the divine. And so I remember just doing some work and just writing down and then I was like, I should write, I should make a journaling prompt on this thing. And then I do it. I write, the, I, I, I do the work, right? I do the journal. I get the feeling. And then I'm like, wow, this is really good. More people should know about it. And then I add it to the program. Um, so it's just really, really, really a fun way to get over certain um, issues and beliefs because we're so sometimes bogged down by not knowingness and I don't know what to do I don't know but that's because most of the personal development work is is reading about it's really about uprooting um uncomfortable emotions but you don't have to uproot an uncomfortable emotion you have an uncomfortable emotion right now you don't have to go into the past there's an uncomfortable emotion right now whatever you're complaining about right now and so um when I thought about telling my man Jesse I was like you know you're complaining too much and I'm sick of it I thought wait that's a complaint. <laughs> so I was like, uh, I can't really do that. And you know, sometimes the only way to the other side of what you want is to make a decision, do the steps, do the bold work that you have to do. And when someone is complaining, what I'm going to choose to do is do energy work. And these two things are going to happen. People are going to fizzle out of my life or they're going to shift. And that's all that we can ever ask, right? We want people to either shift into a better perspective of peace, of harmony, or we want them to get the fuck out because we cannot, um, like, we cannot afford, we cannot afford 
the inconvenience of negative thoughts. When we are fighting our own negative thoughts, having a negative friend is the worst thing you can have. Now, by all means, they will love, if you're a positive person, a negative person would love you because they will come to you shitty and down and unproductive and beating themselves up and you're going to be like, girl, you got this. You're amazing. I believe in you. And they're going to feel amazing. But they're never going to be able to do it for you. Not with any amount of sincerity. Because you cannot give what you don't have. And let's talk about the fed up effect. <laughs> because I don't think that I ever got to it. The fed up effect really was that I got fed up with my friendships and my relationship. And I'm like, I'm sick of these coaches. I'm sick of these clients. I'm sick of, you know, these relationships that I'm building. I know it's coming from in me. So ultimately getting fed up it is always about you getting fed up with your own bullshit and sometimes it is so good that we can utilize other people as mirrors they're showing you um things about you i had a client once and i was like who's your ideal client let's talk about that we're working on um her marketing plan or her branding and she's describing to me a perfect client she's like she's got no money problems she's got no issues she just wants like a better relationship and she wants this, but she's a badass. She knows this, she knows that. And I'm just like, man, you're describing someone that does not need you, right? You're describing someone that does not need what you have to offer. So when you're selling, if your ideal client is like a badass that, you know, can sort things out for herself and is really independent, that person is probably not going to buy your product because they don't need it. It's not in resonance or and or and you're neither that person. You know, I had another client who was just like, I'm not going to invest anymore, but I'm selling these programs. I was like, from that energy, you're not going to sell. I'm sorry, but that's just law of attraction. And here's the thing about insanity. Insanity is doing the same thing, expecting different results. This entire world is insane, <laughs> including me. We're all mad here. <laughs> and so um, for you to create a world of love, of peace, of harmony, you got to create your internal world from truth. You got to stop lying to yourself. You got to stop saying that your clients are shit and you're a great coach. You have to stop saying that. You're going to charge people $10,000 and you're not willing to pay $10,000. You just got to stop doing all these things now. Do I believe that you have to pay $10,000 to receive $10,000? No, I do not. But I believe that someone that understands that has a higher perspective. And if you still are in this wonky space, then your like, money in the bank, your safe bet is to be the person you want to attract. One of the things that I noticed with one of my clients was too that she was promising things that she did not in her, in her life. She had created a program and she's like, um, consistent 20K months. And she was not, her income was decreasing. Her clients were dwindling and she was not able to really get back up to those sexy 20K days, uh, 20K months anymore. But she was still selling that. She was like, oh, and she was living from this dream from like five years ago. Five years ago, I was making 20K every single month. Okay, and why don't you make it more? Why is it not working? Why is it failing? Those are things that I think coaches are, you know, the audacity that they can try to sell people stuff they, they don't possess. It's, it's just weird. You cannot give what you don't have. It is law. I can't go dig a hole in the ground and 
take a shit in there and wait for a fucking mango tree to grow. Because I did not put a mango seed in there. You know what I'm saying? It's a little graphic for you. But do this work. It's going to change your life. And then find me on Facebook at Ajanis Marrero and tell me all about it. Thank you for being here. If you're interested in joining my program, go on my website, ajanis.com, and you'll be able to join and have the best 30 days of your life digging into sacred faith. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed it and learned something that can take you from diamond in the rough to crown jewel. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and this show, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back for our next juicy discussion, of course, about metaphysics, photography, and anything in between. Until then, you can find me at Voyage. <laughs>